The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. A reunion, a captain, and a mysterious new member of the Discovery crew. Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery continues to take us literally where no Star Trek show has gone before. Last week, we welcomed the USS Discovery to the 32nd century. But what's going to happen next? Well, let's find out. Welcome aboard, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Welcome one and all to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. Last week it was all about the USS Discovery and her crew, and this week we get a wonderful reunion, a highly anticipated promotion, and a return to the center of what was once the headquarters of the United Federation of Planets, namely Earth. But is this the return, everything that the crew had hoped for? As always, this is the premier podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, entitled People of Earth. And here to help me break down this week's incredible episode of Star Trek Discovery is the only person I would trust with my highly sought-out-after stash of dilithium. As always, he's my very special friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. He is Bill Smith. Bill, welcome to Earth. Now, uh, go away. Am I right? Uh, absolutely. Get the hell out of here, you crazy kids. Um, I noticed you would trust me with dilithium, but not necessarily with your ingredients for margaritas. I'm, I'm seeing a trend here. You know, I'd have any of my margaritas. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Dan, good to be here, buddy. Looking forward to talking uh, episode three of season three. And uh, joining us again this week is uh, our rotating co-host, Sarah from Trek Rewind. Sarah, Good to have you back for this one, because it's a it's going to be a fun discussion tonight. I am ready. This is great. I missed you guys last week. Sunday just wasn't oh. the same. Oh, believe me, oh. we <laughs> missed you. Oh, terribly. <laughs> I was tempted to just hijinks and join in, but I didn't want to, you know, cause any trouble. Invading from Canada, you know. <laughs> yes. No, we love Casey. We had a great time, but it always it is always great to sit down and talk Discovery with you, Sarah. And uh, before we get deep into the discussion, there's a lot that happened this week, but we always want to hear from our listeners about their thoughts, too. So, Bill, how can they get in touch with us for their thoughts on People of Earth? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. While Discovery at first may not have been welcome when arriving at Earth, we will always welcome your thoughts and your comments. On Twitter and Facebook, all you have to do is search for Discovering Trek. We welcome questions, comments, concerns, uh, jokes, recipes, um, margarita suggestions, and, and even... You might tell us what place you might visit on Earth if you come back after a thousand years. That would be interesting. You can also leave us a voicemail by visiting our website at trekgeeks.com. Click on the giant blue button. Please do remember, though, that any comments you leave us may be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek, Dan. Thanks, buddy. Black alert. Black alert. From here on in, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers, so if you haven't watched Episode 3 of Star Trek Discovery Season 3, stop listening right now, 
head on over to CBS All Access or wherever you watch Discovery, watch the episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for people of Earth. Episode 303 of Star Trek Discovery, uh, People of Earth, is written by Bowie Kim and Erica Lippold and directed by the bearded one himself, Jonathan Frakes. Finally reunited, Burnham and the USS Discovery crew journey to Earth, eager to learn what happened to the Federation in their absence. Originally released on October 29th, 2020, it is the third episode of Discovery's third season. Trainees, to the briefing room. Well, Sarah and Bill, as we gather in the briefing room, as we always do to start our discussion for this week's episode, let's get your high-level thoughts, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down, and a quick synopsis of why, and Sarah, we'll start with you. Right. I am going to give it thumbs up, two thumbs up, happily. I had no problems with watching this multiple times to be prepared for the podcast, and even if there wasn't a podcast, I just found it an enjoyable episode to watch. (laughs) Okay, there's one thumbs up, or two thumbs up, I should say. Uh, Bill, what about you, buddy? (laughs) Uh, I, too, am going to give it two thumbs up. I think there are a lot of ideals that speak to what people love about Star Trek The Next Generation in this episode. Um, there's, there's a good story here. There, there's a, there's a quandary here that this crew has to get past and, um, everything old is new again in a way. So, um, it's, uh, it's one I really enjoyed. Okay. Well, I'm think I'm going to be the one that's going to be the shocker this week because I was extremely close to giving this a thumbs down. Um, which probably will surprise a lot of people. I did end up giving it a thumbs up, but as we do with See It or Skip It over on the Trek Geeks podcast, this is barely a thumbs up for me. I had some real issues with this episode, which we'll get into. There were some great moments, but some of the things just really pulled me down. So uh, it's a thumbs up, but it is my least favorite of the three this season, I'd have to say. Okay. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the episode, as we always do. There's always some good things to talk about. And I'm going to hit the first one right off the bat, the thing that I loved the most of this episode. It was actually my um, long-range scan last week, so I finally got one right, kind of. And that is, it's about time that we can say Captain Saru. It was fantastic to see that happen. The emotion with everybody on the bridge was just great um, and uh, well-deserved, not only for Saru, Bill, but also for Doug Jones. Uh, three words, uh, you know, sum up my feelings on this, about damned time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have never cheered a, a promotion in a Star Trek series more than this one. <laughs> um, it was one that left me with a smile from ear to ear, and it's... It, there really, there's no other character that could assume this role. Yeah, it, people say it comes down between Saru and Burnham, but Saru really did put this whole ship on his back and carry it forward to the future. And nothing says leadership like that. I absolutely agree. And Sarah, one thing that's interesting, and I want to get your take on the promotion, is unless I'm mistaken, this is the first Star Trek series that we have ever had in the 50 plus years of the show where a an alien has been captain of the ship. Mm-hmm. How about that? I know. Overdue. Yeah, Absolutely. very much so. I love that there wasn't a lot of pomp and circumstance about this. It was just so natural and just so meant to be the way they did it. I thought that the delivery of, we don't need to have a conversation somewhere else. This is happening right here because this is mm-hmm. what needs to happen. I thought it was just perfectly executed. 
It, it, it really was. And one other thing I want to talk about with regards to Saru and, and Doug Jones took place before his promotion. And that was um, when we had that really wonderful um, passage of time of the year with Michael when she was in the, in the shuttle. It looked really cool. Our hairstyles mm-hmm. changed. And then the reunion took place with all of the crew member, starting with Tilly. The one that really choked me up was Saru, just putting his hands on her face mm-hmm. and kind of like leaning into her. The, the the relationship it made me think of the relationship that these two have gone through from when they were brother and sister fighting all the time on the bridge on the Shenzhou to when Saru said she would he would never be able to trust her again and now look at him Bill it was just mm-hmm. it was a great moment I really loved it I have to believe that that moment was a little bit of Saru and a, and a little bit of Doug because we've seen Doug at conventions yeah. and he's very similar yes. in the way he greets people and in the way he feels a connection to people. Mm-hmm. I think that that these two beings, Doug Jones and Saru, mm-hmm. are just are inextricably linked, and in a beautiful way. It's I, I don't think there's any person that could play Saru to the level and depth that that Doug does, and and every time he's on the screen, it's just it's a happy moment for me. Every single time, Sarah, what do you think? Same thing. I thought that their reunion was perfect for them. I found that that whole scene is that everyone had this different moment and whether it was Saru or it was Philippa and just the distance there, like I thought that everybody in that moment had their unique stamp on it. Um, but theirs was so touching. And Doug Jones, I watched Hocus Pocus last night because it was Halloween. Yes. And I was just, I just instantly was like, I have to look up everything he's done. Because I know he's done so much. But I just, I can't wait to have the opportunity to see him or any of the people from Discovery at a convention. I haven't had that chance yet. And I'm just itching, itching for those moments. It's it's fantastic. Um, I want to stay on that for one quick second, Bill, because this is this was an interesting thing. Last week in episode two, um, Giorgio was all about getting out there to find Michael because she's alone and we need to find her. And and she was really upset and and whatever. And this week with the reunion, I did find it interesting that um, Burnham was hugging someone and looked up and sh- and Giorgio was way in the back. They just nodded at each other and she walked away. I I thought that was I thought that was a little strange. What did you think? Oh, I thought it was perfectly in character for this Philippa Giorgio. Hmm. Um, you know, we know that Mira Giorgio and Mira Burnham shared an incredible closeness, mm-hmm. and that Mira Giorgio essentially raised Burnham as her daughter. These two individuals, you know, we'll call her Prime Burnham, our Burnham, and Mira Giorgio don't have the same relationship, but it doesn't mean that Giorgio doesn't have the same connection to Michael for her to rush in and start hugging people would really kind of be out of character for her. And almost, I think a sign of weakness to Philippa Giorgio, because she talks a lot about uh, how other people are weak. She doesn't want to admit that she has this, this uh, affection for this Michael Burnham, because that may cost her down the road. And I think that as the empress of, uh, of the Terran empire, uh, that's something she's used to not doing. Sarah, do you think that Michael could be Giorgio's Achilles heel later on? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I don't... I think so. Because I think that in the mind of Philippa, she has no Achilles heel. She's She's got it. But if anything mm-hmm. is going to be it, it's going to be Michael Burnham for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it'll it'll be definitely interesting to see how the season mm-hmm. unfolds with those characters. Now, let's talk the return to Earth, because, of course, that was the big anticipated moment of this week's episode. Probably why it was called People of Earth, but that's just me talking. <laughs> it's a, um, just a guess. 
Just a guess. <laughs> now, we see that Earth is no longer a, a Federation or a Starfleet member. Federation's headquarters isn't even on Earth anymore. And and Earth has become xenophobic. They got a shield around the planet now. And the last time I saw that was like Men in Black 3. So that really threw me for a loop. Um, I, 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 I was really dumbfounded by how Earth has become in this future. It's not something I anticipated in Star Trek, no matter how far in the future they are or what things they've had happen to them over the course of the last thousand years. So, uh, Bill, it was, it was really a shock to me. It didn't shock me. So at the end of the original series episode, Mirror Mirror, when Prime Kirk is getting ready to beam back to his Enterprise at the hands of Mirror Spock, you know, Spock admits that, you know, the, their empire has maybe, what, decades left, as I paraphrase? And it's a reminder that every empire, every government, every, you know, power of authority fails at some point. Um, every system sees massive overhaul and change. And it's, it stands to reason that that would be true also of the United Federation of Planets. Even if Earth were still a member, there's no way the Federation would look the way it does there and then as it did 930 years previous, or even 830 years previous, if you look at the time of the next generation. Uh, nature abhors a vacuum and everything evolves. What we don't know is why Earth is not a member of the Federation. I think that's going to be part of what Discovery uncovers. Um, it, it stands to reason that they may not be the only planet that left the Federation. And uh, the fewer stars on the Federation flag may be a key to that. I don't know. Sarah, what do you think? Were you surprised or were you along the same lines of Bill? I mean, there's a part of me that was surprised because any of this is storytelling that you don't know what to expect. So there's an element of surprise. But I loved, I loved it because it's so fitting for right now. If this was a storyline in season one, or back in the 2000s with Enterprise or previously, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. But because right now, as humans, we're living in our own bubbles with COVID, and we are facing so many issues with politics across the world. And it just seems fitting that this is a storyline that we're listening to, because it's that opportunity for us to look at that and question it and wonder about it and talk about it. And I think it was really good timing. That, that's a great point. You think about the world today, and specifically the United States, and I don't mean to get political, but I'm going to. <laughs> um, you look at the way the United States has withdrawn from various accords, and you look at the way that we have treated our allies and the people on whom this country has relied, uh, including Canada, <laughs> mm -hmm. Sarah's native land <laughs> up there to the north. Um, it's not unlike the way Earth has become xenophobic in, in the 32nd century. I think it's a great, you know, we, we talk about how Star Trek is a look in the mirror at ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this absolutely is a look in the mirror at us at, right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't like that this has happened. Right. But right. I like that it's the story that they're telling. I can appreciate I can appreciate that as we'll get into later on I have specific reasons why I, I I had so much I don't want to say a problem with it but it just was it was depressing to me to see that that had happened to to humans now one thing I will say is and this is one thing that I have criticized in the past especially after the finale last season this idea of not having to to really deal with Star Trek Canon this is a perfect example of how the writers aren't dealing with Star Trek canon. There's no Federation anymore. And that is kind of an interesting aspect of it when you really come down to it. Well, I think it's going to come down to them trying to get the band back together. 
Um, because the only way they can um, write the course and make Starfleet what it was again is if they make the Federation what it was again. So I think in that sense, it may adopt a kind of a quality like Enterprise to some extent, sort of that hopeful, you know, let's build this coalition type thing. Uh, at least that's what I'm hoping for. I, I think it I think it really has a chance to plant those seeds and carry that forward from here. Okay. Uh, one of the other things that, that I thought was interesting was the whole um, back and forth with the Dilithium Raiders and then finding out what these Raiders actually were and the slap in the face that Earth gave to them. I will say that was an interesting... And if there was anything that I would consider a Star Trek moment in this episode, it was that mm-hmm. part of the episode. And I got to say, I was giddy beyond belief to see Thor Gunderson from Hell on Wheels underneath that mask. Um, little Anson Mount. Maybe Anson brought him over to be on Star Trek Discovery. I don't know, but I was very happy to see him. I'm only into season two of Hell on Wheels, so I don't know how much longer he's in the series, but I thought he was great. So I actually yelled out, Mr. Bohannon, when he took his mask off. I thought that was kind of funny. But <laughs> back to the serious part of, the, of, of, of this part of the episode. Wow, what a slap in the face to find out that the people that uh, that the, the people that they trusted back on Earth to give them help the first time they sent a ship back, it, they was fired upon and destroyed. Sarah, I don't even know what to say because first off, now I have to get mad at you because now I need to rewatch Hell on Wheels <laughs> because <laughs> not only does it have Anson Mount, but it's got Cole Meany as well, who I absolutely mm-hmm. adore, and I haven't watched yes. that show in ages, and now I have to add it to my list of. 3,000 things I have to watch. So thanks. You're welcome. Oh, my God. Um, but more on the topic, to be serious, I I would have been not as into this plotline if he hadn't been human. I think that the, that human aspect of it made it so much stronger, so much more real. It made me feel... I think it just hit the point so much more. It made me think of a lot of those different um, shows I like to watch that are dystopian in nature, where it's, you know, Walking Dead, and it's humans against humans, and it's like, we're all trying to do the same thing we're trying to take care of the people we love and do what we think is right and when you don't have communication and you forget the bigger picture this is this is what happens and that's what that's one of the things that i was like oh my god with this episode is because they're humans and earth has become so xenophobic and scared of everything going on outside of their atmosphere mm-hmm. that they just fire first they forgot and that there's was humans that out was there. shocking to me yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Bill, what do you think? I think of the researchers on Titan who have had to fend for themselves and then go to raiding dilithium. And in the current day world, I hate to do it again, but I'm going to. Um, it makes me think of Puerto Rico after the hurricane mm-hmm. year before last and how that island, which is part of the United States, mm-hmm. um, had to beg and plead and fight for just the basics to try to get by. And the whole time we heard, oh yeah, it's fine. It's being taken care of. And nothing was taken care of. And I have to believe that the researchers on Titan fell under a same fate. Um, Perhaps it was poor bureaucracy. Perhaps it was, it was intentional. We don't know. But the the researchers on Titan were left with the only option available to them. The currency Mm -hmm. of the trade, you know, uh, of the trade right now is dilithium. And the only way you have power is to have it. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of dilithium, Good segue, Bill. I'm going to start with you right off the bat. I'm just going to hand it right over to you. Let's talk the burn. We got a little bit more information and a lot of information kind of too. (laughs) Uh, Book was right when he said everything went boom. And not only did it go boom, it went boom all at once, which kind of makes me think that my prediction from last week and long range scan might, might have something to it. But what a striking visual 
of all those ships exploding all at the same time. Now, granted, dilithium is not explosive. Um, it's, it's not anything other than a battery. Um, but anytime you have a battery that explodes around stuff that also is flammable and explodes, like say, I don't know, matter and antimatter, um, it's going to go boom in a big way down. Yeah, it definitely did. Very boomy. Um, and it's funny. Uh, let me ask you uh, if you thought this, because I wasn't exactly sure how to, that visual of all of those ships, were all of those ships like really next to each other when they when that happened? Or was it just kind of just, they just threw it all in there to give you an example that it all happened at once. That was a lot, that was like a fleet. Uh, and if they were all together at once, that would have been messy. It could have been narrative. Um, but yeah. looking at some of the debris fields that we've seen in episodes one and two, maybe it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, maybe they were there. Maybe that's uh, outside of Earth. Maybe that's near Utopia Planitia or what was left of Utopia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say. Sarah, do you have um, any of your own kind of ideas about the burn now that we've seen a little bit more as to what's going on? <sighs> to take it to a lighter place, I don't like the burn. I don't want to talk about a burn. I just like the burn of a good whiskey. Okay, <laughs> this was this is nice. a horrible. <laughs> this is a horrible visual. I mean, of course, it's they did it fantastic, and it, and it's a story that they're going to tell. It's just a sad story, and I think now that we know a bit more about it. I'm really pushing towards the the idea that this was planned somehow in some way as an attack. I don't know how else to really wrap my brain around it, especially when you see um, the characters reacting to the news and saying that would never happen. And this is like, there's just, there's so much more we need to know. And it's, it's just depressing. (laughs) We've talked over the first two weeks of the show, how they've given us just a little bit about the burn. And we've all said, we need to know more or it's just not going to be something that the fans are going to appreciate. And I do appreciate that they're dropping little things every episode. And I really hope that continues. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want them to be one whole big explanation at the end of the series Mm -hmm. or at the end of the season, I should say. Um, So I guess we'll see what happened. But on a more pleasant note, uh, I'll, I'll take Sarah's cue. Let's talk something that was really great in this week's episode. And that was the introduction of what I think is going to be a fantastic character. And that's Adira. Um, Blue Del Barrio was fantastic. I, I really liked um, what this new character brings to the show. The chemistry between between uh, Anthony Rapp and Mary Wiseman, Bill, was was top notch. It was just great. Oh, it definitely. It's nice to have a character of this time frame um, join the crew. Now, whether it's permanent or whether it's temporary or whether this causes some conflict down the road, we don't know yet. But for right now, it's it's nice to have that presence. Adira has the potential to become the Neelix for this show. You know, in, in Star Trek Voyager, Neelix was the guide and he sort of guided the Voyager through the, the Delta Quadrant in sort of uncertain times and you know, with, with enemies. The Discovery crew doesn't know the lay of the land in the 32nd century, and they may need somebody like Adira to help them sort of navigate, you know, these these waters, for want of a better word. What did you think, uh, Sarah, about the bomb that was dropped, so to speak? I don't want to go about too much on the burn, but uh, um, with the fact that Adira is a human with a Trill symbiote. I know. That one was... That was a, pretty cool. Yeah. That kind of came out of nowhere, and it's yeah. a great way to put a spin on, on on something that we're familiar with, you know? Um, I, I liked Adira. I felt, it's funny that you say Neelix, because to me, I had a, a real data vibe for some reason. There was a sure. real area of curiosity in the beginning when, um, when Adira was asking so many questions about what was happening and the, the music that played, it had such an innocence to it. I, I think it'll be an, 
I think this is going to be a great addition to such a heavy show with some real heavy characters that maybe we'll see a little bit more lightness with Adira. I don't know. It's just a unique perspective that this new world and this new timeline needs for sure. Yeah, I I like the fact that they kept with canon and talking about Trills from Discovery's time frame. Mm -hmm. But then you can see that now in the 32nd century, maybe it's possible for humans to carry a symbiont. And there are side effects, like the whole thing that she can't tap into memories of other hosts, Mm -hmm. um, which um, I have a feeling we'll see either, I don't know if uh, consequences are the right word, but I think that we'll see that uh, a little bit later on. Bill, what do you think? Well, we don't know anything about a deer. For all we know, she could have some some trill somewhere in her bloodline. Mm-hmm. Um, because people go, well, Riker had a trill symbiont and it almost killed him. Yeah, that's true. But Riker is also straight up human. We don't know if a deer is right now. Right. And who knows, you know, evolution over a thousand years. Yeah. Some, some things are bound to happen. So a lot of good stuff in, in, in this week's episode. One of the things that I wanted to talk about just for a moment or two, not spend a whole lot of time on is the change that we have seen in Michael in this episode. I was very um, surprised that, uh, that this change has taken place. Of course, it's, it's been a year, but it's only been a year when you think about it. And that exchange between Tilly and Burnham, when Tilly said, you let us go, didn't you? That was a punch in the stomach, I thought. What do you think, Sarah? That is a whole thing I want to talk about in one of our next segments. That oh, is the whole theme of the episode to me. It, it it was everything to me, was the way that Michael talked about it, didn't talk about it, and it was just hanging there in the episode. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Okay. Well, we'll save the, all the juicy stuff until your segment later yeah. on. Then. Bill, what about you? Were you um, uh, Did you like that she had, I don't want to say kind of a, a, a negative view of things since she had been there for a year dealing with all of the things that she was dealing with, but it's definitely a Burnham that we're not used to seeing. Yeah, I don't find it was negative. I feel like it, well, she had to evolve to meet the circumstances. Instead of being Starfleet, she had to be a little Han Solo. Um, because of you know her her role as helping a book be a courier, it's it's a different world. She had really no sense of what it was like until she worked with book and then kind of got the lay of that land. So I, I don't view it as a bad thing, but like anybody else, you know, once you've been an outdoor cat for a while, um, you got to come back indoors and learn how to be an indoor cat again. And I think that it's going to be something like that in this case. I think she's got to learn how to Starfleet all over again. I like the way you put hashtag Starfleet all over again. That's Nicely a long done. hashtag. That's very long. Well, once again, folks, we have reached that moment of discovering Trek where we take a moment to pause and reflect on those that we've lost in this week's episode of Star Trek Discovery. It's the somber and reflective part of our show, but we feel it's the least we can do for those that have paid the ultimate price. We like to call it the Red Shirt Roll Call. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. He's dead, Jim. And Bill, um, really only one scene this week, if I remember correctly, that had to deal with any kind of death. But wow, that number just kept climbing. And in fact, as we theorized a couple of weeks ago, we don't know the real number. Um, And it's probably for the best that we don't. (laughs) As we saw this week, a whole bunch of ships go boom uh, of the Starfleet kind. And who knows, maybe a lot of others as well, because I'm sure that others use dilithium. But suffice it to say, the fleet was decimated. And according to Burnham, 
millions died. I don't know about you, Dan. This is only an hour-long podcast. We don't have time to mention millions of names. So suffice <laughs> it to say, um, it was most of Starfleet. And um, if that doesn't make anybody want to raise a glass and drink, then I don't know what will. Absolutely. And that's going to be a lot of drinking. A lot of drinking. <laughs> a lot of drinking. But we will raise that glass of Synthahol as we say goodbye to all of those millions this week in the Red Shirt Roll Call. Folks, we want to take a moment to thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of not only Discovering Trek, but the entire Trek Geeks podcast network. As we all deal with the continued effects of the coronavirus pandemic, we know that small businesses is an essential part of a recovering economy, and we are proud to support one of the best small businesses in the whole galaxy, and that's Fansets. Whether it's Star Trek or Harry Potter or Irwin Allen or a whole ton of other franchises, Fansets has always put out superior products and with new pins coming out each and every month, you are sure to have an ever-expanding collection of great collectible pins. Oh, without a doubt. November is certainly no different. You know, you may recall that last year at Star Trek Las Vegas, Fansets released their beautiful Women of Trek collection, but they didn't just keep it at that one release. Over the course of the last year, they have continued to release additional pins for this collection and available right now at fansets.com. The latest pin for Women of Trek is ready to add to your cart. It's the one and only Sylvia Tilly from Star Trek Discovery. This newest pin is gorgeous and I can't wait it to I can't wait to add it to my own collection. And of course, speaking of collector sets, don't forget there's still some time to pre-order your very own Star Trek Voyager collector set commemorating the 25th anniversary of our favorite Delta Quadrant Stranded crew. Say that 10 times fast. 11 pins, a backer board, and a black frame, all for the lowest price ever for a fan sets collection. Just $180. Fantastic. You know, I've mentioned it before, Bill. I actually already have the spot on my wall prepared for that Voyager collector set to go with all the other collector sets I have from them. Uh, but did you know that you can now display your favorite fan sets pin right on your face? That's right, your face. Available for a limited time at fansets.com is the official fansets face mask. Now, what's so great about this mask is that in addition to the familiar fansets logo that we all love, the mask features a pocket between the double layer face cover that lets you show off your favorite pin without the pin backs rubbing against you. It's an awesome idea so that we can proudly display our favorite pins during these crazy and uncertain times. And of course, with our special relationship with Fansets, you get to save money each and every week with our special Discovering Trek discount code. Just head on over to fansets.com and place a whole bunch of stuff in your cart, the face mask, pins, collector sets, gift certificates, and then when you're checking out, enter the special discount code Discovering Trek. You do that, you're going to get 15% off your entire order, and don't forget that our U.S. customers will get free shipping if you spend $30 or more. Fansets, our pins have character, and we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. You know, folks, Star Trek has always been a reflection of our times. And in this segment, we're going to take a look at what this episode helped us to discover about our humanity, or perhaps what it tells us about ourselves. And um, Sarah, you, you hinted at it a little while ago. So let's start with you this week and what you thought in this week's episode. <laughs> I dropped a teaser early, didn't I? You, you did. It was a good tease. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, I think I'd like to try and sum up this episode in a single sentence, if I may. You may get lost, you may change, but you never really forget. 
that to me kind of encompasses a lot about this episode or how I saw it. Um, and it's the only way I can really verbalize how I feel about this episode. Um, we have Burnham talking about how she's changed, but discovery is familiar, but it isn't, but she remembers the crew at the end visit earth. And even though it's changed, they remember aspects of it and they embrace those memories when they're at the tree. But more importantly, earth itself has changed and not necessarily for the good. But when we were, are reminded of the humanity that they're capable of, reminded in the way of what Starfleet meant, they remember diplomacy and fairness, and they're willing to talk with Ren and his crew. I think humanity right now is in that tug of war, remembering how we can be, remembering what it is to be good, to be fair, to be better, to evolve. And that's kind of what I got from this episode personally. It felt like a warm hug in a way. Well, this episode for me actually was very troublesome in many ways. Uh, one of the things that Star Trek has always showed me is that there's always hope. The future is one to look forward to. Well, this far future in season three scared me, to be honest. Earth shutting down its borders, erecting planetary defense shields. No matter what the event was that caused the burn, to see Earth become so xenophobic and refuse to let fellow humans return to their own planet was really distressing and troublesome for me. Now, that's something I would expect in today's world with all of the craziness and uncertainty, uh, because to be honest, I don't think that the human race of today is mature enough to handle great challenges. A majority of people and leaders these days would rather just decimate a culture or become a military state instead of working to resolve an issue. We're more than that, and I would hope Earth of the 32nd century would be too. Now, I pray that we see things turn around in this far future, and wouldn't it be ironic if it were time travelers from almost a thousand years ago to put them back on the path that is Star Trek, and we did get to see a touch of that in this episode, Bill. We absolutely did. Listening. It's an ability that seems to be in short supply in this day and age. We don't communicate because we don't listen. We hear to respond, but we don't listen to understand. You would think that that kind of thing wouldn't be a problem for future humans, but apparently it is. The people of Earth and the Dilithium Raiders are the same people, and they don't even know it because they make assumptions and speak the words of conflict, which leads to violence. It's the kind of thing that has affected humans literally for centuries. Tribe versus tribe, nation versus nation, Klingons versus Earth, Earth versus researchers on Titan. The story is the same even today with Republican versus Democrat. If we sought to understand one another instead of continuously readying for battle, we might accomplish more and actually solve something. And isn't that a theme that's total and complete Star Trek? Commendation, palm leaf of Axanar Peace Mission, Grand Kite Order of Tactics, Class of Excellence, Frenteris Ribbon of Commendation, all right, people, as always, time for some awards. It's Starfleet Commendations time. Uh, let's see what you pick this week to receive your commendations. And, Bill, let's uh, let's start off with you, my friend. Well, okay. I'm there so you excited. Go. I love Commendations okay. time where you get yeah. to give people awards that don't exist. This is awesome. <laughs> uh, the Geller Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the Geller Cup. Um, 
I have to say Blue Del Barrio. Blue is such a wonderful addition to this cast, and I can't wait to learn more about Adira and see the evolution of this character over time. I'm so excited by the prospect of what this character could become. And I have to say, welcome to the Star Trek family, Blue. We are so excited you're here with us. And then my other commendation for the week, it could only go to two people, uh, Bowie Kim and Erica Lipbolt. Bowie and Erica have written some of my favorite moments in Discovery, and especially those involving Saru. And this episode is no exception. That moment where Saru becomes captain had me pumping my fist in the air, literally, and my eyes welling up with tears. I love their work, and I I know that every episode of theirs just puts their love of this franchise on display for the world to see. Dan, you and I had the chance to meet Bowie at Star Trek Las Vegas. And Erica, I know you're listening. I hope we get a chance to meet you too so we can both say thank you. Um, so those are my commendations this week. Oh, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. They are fantastic people. My commendations this week, uh, I am going to echo yours, uh, Blue Del Barrio. Uh, I, I didn't know how I would like this character. And although it's only one episode in, I really love the sass and the confidence that is exuded by Blue's character. Just nailed it in the scenes with Anthony Rapp and Mary Wiseman. And I, I can't wait to see how this character develops. And the other thing that I find very interesting, and I read about this today, is we know that this is the first non-binary character in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised that um, the character was referred to as she this week. And reading an article, Blue has said that it's going to kind of be a coming out just like they had when... In, in real life. And I thought that was really a great way to portray the character. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that happen. Um, the other commendation I have for this week, guys, is for Doug Jones. And it seems that every week Doug Jones is on my list. And why not? He's just fantastic. The little things, like we already talked about, touching Michael's cheek when she returned to the ship. The discussion that they had in the corridor when she first returned. Uh, his pride and the look of thanks when Michael said that it was always him who should be captain. Doug Jones is simply one of my favorite people on this entire earth, and he shines every single time he is on screen. Just absolutely love him. Sarah? Oh, my goodness. This week, I am giving huge a huge shout-out to Mary Wiseman. The scene with her and Burnham stood out so much and again this damn show is making me emotional and i'm not an emotional person i don't cry at shows and i have no feelings but god damn it this show has done it because i relate i relate to that conversation in so many ways i'm very much like a michael in some ways where i try to be very like just keep the emotion out of it you've got a job to do and i have girlfriends that are more emotional and you deflect with that cake is eternal or I love your hair. Like, it's just, it's such a, it's nothing to some people, but to me, it's everything. It's a conversation that couldn't be more real. And then the rawness of Tilly and the way Mary plays it with just, of course, that I have a picture of you, the dandelion. Like, that was such a beautiful, I could see it just in the way that she acted that scene. And um, later on when she's with... um, when we're meeting Adira, like she's like, we get it. You're smart. Like she's just got so much range. And I found that this episode was just fantastic. I can't say enough about it. Mary Wiseman, you just nailed it. Um, and of course, on a side note, just welcome to Blue. I mean, this is exciting. I love new characters. I love new members of the family for Star Trek. We're so excited to have you. I can't wait for whatever you bring to the role. It's going to be great. And it's just welcome. So excited. 
Long-range scan of planet complete. So who would have thought that we, when we started doing long-range long scans, Bill, that we're actually doing long-range scans for a thousand years from the time of discovery? That is that's super, a long-range scan, super long-range. <laughs> so, so let's talk about what we think might happen next uh, in discovery, whether it's next week's episode or just later on in the season. I don't, I, I haven't seen. You know, luckily we get to see episodes a little early so that we can prepare for the podcast. I have not seen next week's episode. I have not seen any trailers for next week's episode. I've wanted to. I just haven't had the time to do it. I have a feeling they're going to go to Trill because Adira needs to unlock those memories uh, of of past hosts. And I just, I got a real bad feeling that things are not going to go well for Adira and uh they're not going to enjoy what's uh, in store for this intriguing new character, Bill. Wow. that's yeah. uh, Everything's a downer for me today, dude. <laughs> you're a downer. Your face is a downer. <laughs> there we go. We threw in a little Trek Geeks into Discovering Trek. Yeah, there, there you go. Couldn't <laughs> help it. You, you made me do it. Um, last week, you remember, I predicted that uh, old friends may be new enemies in this time. And I said, Vulcans, I'm looking at you. I'm going to double down on that. And say not only is Vulcan no longer a part of the Federation, but they are actively essentially what the Klingons were to TOS and the Cardassians were to Deep Space Nine. I'm going to say that the Vulcans are a threat to the security and stability of the Federation and Discovery is going to find that out. And that's going to mean a lot for Michael Burnham. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that aspect of it yeah. yet. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a, okay. See, I'm not the only one who's got a bad one. Okay. So. That's on you. No, <laughs> bad Vulcan. No. Bad Vulcans. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least I like the episode. <laughs> Sarah, I'm done talking to him. You're up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, you know, as you said, we do have a, a, a perk of, of sometimes being able to see a, a stuff a little bit in advance. And, and you know, with that aside, I, I have this vision in my mind of that the way the episode ended was such a TNG episode of like, we have the two warring, we brought them together. I feel like this is like Discovery's purpose to be there is that like you say, the Vulcans might be, might be bad or they might be good. Or like, I feel like we're going to start seeing a lot of these different species that we've loved popping up. Like maybe the Ferengi are just like ruling a whole section and we have no, and we, we need to see right. that. We need to see Yikes. it happening or the, yeah, the, the Romulans and the Klingons are working together and against the Vulcans. Like who knows? But I really feel like that's going to be a big theme is that this type of, remember when Starfleet was around? Remember we all used to work together. Maybe we can all kind of like you know, shake hands and like try this again and meet for the first time the second time. I don't know. I feel like that's going to be a big part of this season. Yeah. I think we'll see. Well, um, Sarah, unfortunately, uh, you will not be with us next week. That's always sad. Oh, what did I but do? Let's, let's, I, you didn't do anything, but unfortunately, we made the promise that we'd bring Casey back every couple of weeks. So. <laughs> No, we're actually we actually love uh, having Casey, and we're looking forward to it. Um, but what can we? we look forward to? Uh, I am. <laughs> so, what can we look forward to uh, next week, Sarah? Okay. Well, hi, Casey, from the distance, from <laughs> podcast world. Next week, Burnham and Adira visit the Trill homeworld in hopes of unlocking the secrets trapped within Adira's mind. Back on the USS Discovery, Saru's efforts to help the crew reconnect with one another takes a surprising turn. It's Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 4, Forget Me Not. Until then, 
Remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. Plus, now you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Network of Podcasts by subscribing to us on Patreon. Get access to our unedited recordings of each and every episode on the network, as well as other exclusive content like our annual supporters pin from Fansets and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt, along with so many other perks. We'd like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek. We are so grateful for their support. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Rachel Delaney, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks where subscription levels start for as little as $1 a month. Always great to have you to talk Discovering Trek, uh, Sarah. Where can folks find you online? Oh my goodness. You can find me on Twitter um, with at Trek Rewind or at Van Island Sarah. Excellent. And Bill, I know you got a really cool Twitter handle, buddy. I do. It's almost <laughs> as cool as yours. It's at Trek Geek Bill. And of course, you can always find me on our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer, um, where we talk about all the things we love about Star Trek. Absolutely. I'm on Camp Kittimer as well. It's always positive. We don't allow any gatekeeping or bashing. And like Bill, you can find me at, at Trek Geek Dan. And that does it for this week in our discussion of Episode 3, People of Earth. Certainly not a future that I anticipated, and it will certainly be interesting to hear more about the burn and our newest member of the crew, Adira. As always, we thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to us talk about this amazing new chapter in the Star Trek universe. And we wouldn't be here without your support, and we thank you so very much. We'll be back next week to discuss Forget-Me-Not, and we hope you won't forget to join us. Until then... Here are some words of wisdom from Mr. Spock. History is replete with turning points. You must have faith that the universe will unfold as it should. And until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.